Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley, a beloved teacher of The Course, who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I am so grateful to join with you today, yes, our living practice of A Course in Miracles, and our topic this week is Walking with Christ. Hmm. (laughs) It's perfect for us, and I'm so grateful to share it with you. (sighs) So let us begin together in love and in a prayer. I invite you to do as I'm doing and place your hand on your heart. Let us be wholeheartedly available to walk with Christ. And we place our hand on our heart to remind ourselves that we're wholeheartedly available to be a loving presence in our own life. We're wholeheartedly willing in this very moment, to walk with Christ, to talk with Christ, to know our Christed nature. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self to remember that our true identity is perfect love. It always has been and it always will be. We're partnering up to remember that the true identity of every being on this earth, every one of our brothers and sisters, is that perfect love that Holy Christ. We're grateful and thankful to recognize I am that I am, and I am one with the I am presence of every being everywhere, and in this lies my salvation. Yes, so grateful and so thankful to rejoice, to know the truth that sets us free. We share our healing with everyone, and we allow it to be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, we're dedicating our time together to remembering ourselves as we truly are. So grateful that we can do this together in love. And I am going to invite you to turn within again as I share from chapter 31, the final vision And this is paragraph 12 of the section entitled, The Simplicity of Salvation. Let's make it simple. Let us be still an instant and forget all things we ever learned, all thoughts we had, and every preconception that we hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. Let us remember not our own ideas of what the world is for, we do not know. Let every image held of everyone be loosened from our minds and swept away. Yes. Let me know only this, teach only this. This is my prayer. 
Let us be still an instant and forget all things we ever learned, all thoughts we had, and every preconception that we hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. Let us remember not our own ideas of what the world is for. We do not know. Let every image of held of everyone be loosened from our minds and swept away. Yes. And this is the practice that I talk about when I say I'm placing it on the altar. I don't know what anything is for. Holy Spirit, please take these thoughts out of my mind so I never think them again. It's let me forget all things I think I've learned and all thoughts I've had, every preconception. Let me forget every idea I've ever had. And remember only the truth that sets me free. This is my core objective. Yes. <laughs> so, and then the next paragraph is so beautiful. It says, be innocent of judgment, unaware of any thoughts of evil or of good that ever crossed your mind of anyone. Be innocent of judgment, unaware of any thoughts of evil or of good that ever crossed your mind of anyone. Now do you know him not, but you are free to learn of him and learn of him anew. Now is he born again to you and you are born again to him without the past that sentenced him to die and you with him. Now is he free to live as you are free, because an ancient learning passed away and left a place for truth to be reborn. So when we relinquish the judgments willingly, when we surrender them, then we experience the opening of our mind to the truth. So every opinion and every judgment is a block to the truth that sets us free. So simple, and yet look how we cling to our opinions and our judgments. So on to section 2 in chapter 31, Walking with Christ, begins, An ancient lesson is not overcome by the opposing of the new and old. An ancient lesson is not overcome by the opposing of the new and old. So, the old ideas of ourselves, the old judgments and opinions, and the beliefs that are the residue of karma from a previous incarnation, all the meaning that we made of things, our interpretation from an earlier point in time and space, becomes that ancient lesson. Mm -hmm. It is not vanquished that the truth be known, nor fought against to lose to truth's appeal. There is no battle that must be prepared, no time to be expended, and no plans that need to be laid for bringing in the new. So, bringing in the new is really going back to the beginning. <laughs> it's not new, it's our true reality, our timeless, eternal nature. 
it seems new to us because we have struggled with these thoughts and beliefs and separation for so long that to go back to the truth seems like something new. So we don't have to battle. There's no battle between the ego and the spirit. No. We can just relax. And that's the going back to the section before. Let me be still an instant and forget all things I ever learned, all thoughts I had, and every preconception that I hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. Let me remember not my own ideas of what the world is for. I do not know. Let every image held of everyone be loosened from my mind and swept away. Holy Spirit, make it so now. This is my sincere desire. Mm -hmm. So, there's no battle. There's no battle between the ego and the spirit. And we can hold the hand of Christ and rise above the battleground. Holding the hand of Christ, of course, is a metaphor. Because we're the Christ self. It's really looking for the Christ within. That's what walking with the Christ is. It's not just walking with Jesus, the Christ, but our own Christed nature. Walking in our Christed nature. Now it says here, there is an ancient battle being waged against the truth, but the truth does not respond. So the ego is waging a battle against the truth, because that's what the ego does. The ego's always picking a fight, always looking to attack. Attack and defend, attack and defend, attack and defend. When I'm defending, I am affirming that I have been attacked, and therefore my attack is justified. This is the teaching of A Course in Miracles. But instead of being in a battle, attacking and defending, let us be still an instant and forget all things we ever learned, all thoughts we had, and every preconception that we hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. Much easier than attacking and defending. Much more peaceful, much more fruitful. <laughs> so the ancient battle that the ego is waging against the truth, the truth does not respond to the battle. Why would it? That would be making the battle real. That would be making the ego real. There's no value to that. None whatsoever. So the truth does not need to defend itself. Why would it? The truth is eternal and infinite, cannot be downgraded or diminished in any way. You see, only if you believe in your vulnerability can you be attacked. And the only thing that makes you believe in your vulnerability is your interest in attack. Because when we're in our loving heart, then... That's where our safety lies, in my defenselessness. When I'm loving, there's nothing to defend. Why would I, what? what? There's nothing to defend when I'm in my loving heart. I just love this. There is an, is an ancient battle being waged against the truth, but truth does not respond. Who could be hurt in such a war unless 
he hurts himself. Ah. So in this battle against the truth, who can get hurt except the one who is attacking? Mm-hmm. Because if we're attacking, then we're hurting ourselves because there is nothing outside of ourselves. There's just the one. So if you're attacking anyone, you're attacking yourself because there's only one. That's why I say the judger always feels judged, the attacker always feels attacked, and the lover always feels beloved. Who could be hurt in such a war unless he hurts himself? He has no enemy in truth. And can he be assailed by dreams? Can dreams attack you? Can illusions attack you? So this is what, of course, miracle students, they say, don't make it real. If you're defending yourself, if you're attacking, if you're in any kind of mode like that, you're making your experience real. Which means that there's a power outside of you. That's what don't make it real means. Don't give your power away to a belief that there's another power that's working against you. So you see, there is an ancient battle being waged against the truth. The ego is waging a battle against the truth. But truth does not respond because truth knows that the ego is an illusion. It's nothing. Let's say you, or you have a dream Again and again, you have a repetitive dream that you're being attacked, that there's a battle. And you wake up from the dream. In your waking time, would you be preparing to defend yourself against the attacker in your dream? No, of course not. That would be insane. Same applies to us and our life. We cannot be attacked in reality, in our true reality, and in our defenselessness, our safety lies. It says here in Walking with the Christ, it's my page 648 in the text, chapter 31, section 2, paragraph 2. Let us review again what seems to stand between you and the truth of what you are. For there are steps in its relinquishment. The first is a decision you make. So this is critical to understand. The first step in our waking up, in our healing, in our moving above the battleground, as A Course in Miracles calls it, is a decision that we make. And it's that decision to accept the atonement for ourselves. It's a decision to recognize that there is no separation and it never occurred. That's the decision. It's a decision to live in our loving heart and to remember our true identity, to give up all special relationships and to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, to make our whole life holy. To be really willing. Fully, fully willing. 
that is the decision that we make. So first comes the decision, and then comes the ever-increasing willingness. So you get to decide when you're going to make that decision. Decide to decide. (laughs) And when you're going to make that decision. And then give the Holy Spirit the heavy lifting. And after we make this decision, the truth is given you. Yes. So we don't need to figure out the truth. We don't need to uncover the truth. We allow the truth to be revealed to us by relinquishing the blocks to love. That's how we do it. So if you've been listening to this radio show for a while, you know I say frequently, if you're trying to understand things, if you're trying to figure them out, if you're trying to make sense of them, then you're in your intellect, (laughs) which is run by the ego. The intellect is run by the ego. And the ego will never figure anything out because it doesn't know how. It's invested in that battle against the truth. So the truth sets us free. We've all heard that a million times. It sets us free from false perceptions, false beliefs, false identification. So all we really have to do is say to the higher Holy Spirit self, our mighty I am presence, I am interested in the truth. I am willing to know the truth that sets me free. I desire to know the truth. The truth interests me above all else. Having no false idols, no false gods. You see, because if we are attached to our belief systems and our beliefs, which are based in judgment and opinion, those are in fact false gods and false idols. So the truth sets us free. Let us have nothing between us and freedom. And the Holy Spirit can make us make it so, just like the Holy Spirit can make any relationship holy if we're willing to work at the level of the mind and to get relinquish our judgments and opinions. Let us be still an instant and forget all things we ever learned, all thoughts we had, and every preconception that we hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. When we live in that space where we're willing to surrender the meaning that we made of things and move into, I do not know what anything is for, then the truth can be revealed to us. And we lay the false idols, the false beliefs, the false gods aside. That's our healing. So when we have a belief in something, then we're going to try and understand it and make sense of it. But when we're in tune with the truth, you'll notice we're not in that place of trying to figure things out. We're not trying to understand things anymore. It's a shift of energy. Therein lies the freedom, the truth setting us free. So, as we're approaching the end of the year here and Christmas time, 
What better gift could you give to your family, to your friends, to your loved ones, to your co-workers, than to be still an instant and forget all things you ever learned, all thoughts you had, and every preconception you hold of what things mean and what their purpose is? Your willingness to do that will put you in a position of walking with Christ. This Christmas, you can walk with Christ. You can be on a walk of tremendous healing that in every moment as you travel through this holiday season or just you might be listening to this years from now, that in every moment you can say, I'd rather walk with Christ. When you notice you feel irritated, frustrated, upset, bothered, disturbed in any way, say to yourself, and the Holy Spirit is yourself truly, I'd rather walk with Christ. I'd rather see the face of Christ. I'd rather do that than to be in a battle with the truth. So one of the things that I've seen over the years in my own awakening experience, this path of awakening that I'm on, that we're all on, of course, (laughs) whether we know it or not, is that it's like I was talking about last week where let's say you have uh, you 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 recognize oh you've let your garden go and your garden has been consumed by weeds and vermin and you decide that you'd like to have a rebirth awakening the Christ in your garden so you decide that you're going to try a new approach. So you get a bunch of books on gardening. And you get some great DVDs on gardening. And some wonderful audios. The experts on audios. Uh, to tell you how to have a rebirth in your garden. And all next year... You invest in your time and your energy in reading these books about gardening and watching these DVDs about gardening and listening to the audios about gardening. At the end of next year, what difference will it have made to your garden? You know? It's it's interesting. It's like we say, oh... This is the year I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get my body in shape. But if you plan to get your body in shape, and I I know the body is not real, but the body is the temple where the altar is. That's what Course in Miracles tells us. So let's just say you have lots of judgments against your body, you're not happy in your body, and you decide that you're going to start a program of self-love and self-care And you're going to begin with caring for your physical body as a way of experiencing more love in your life. Well, if you take that same approach of getting books and audios and DVDs about how to take care of your body, and you get a great outfit, you have the perfect shoes, you have the weights and everything, you get a membership to the gym, but you don't actually work out, nothing is going to be different except you might actually become more out of shape from another year of not doing any exercising. 
And, you know, it's interesting because I, I think about this frequently. And uh, this year, in my year-long Master for Living course, uh, people right now at this time of year, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one conversations with folks who've been in class with me all year, and they're sharing the difference that being in the class, deepening their spiritual practice of really living A Course of Miracles, living these truth teachings and applying them has made in their life. And of course, everybody has different results. But I, I did a, um, a class the other night uh, called The Path of Healing. 2016, Your Path of Healing and Spiritual Expansion. Anyone can go and listen to this. And I, I really encourage you to go and listen because in this recording, it's totally free. Uh, it's on the homepage right now at jenniferhadley.com. And it's also um, on the events page at jenniferhadley.com. And people have been telling me how inspiring it's been to listen to this because basically the whole two hours is me talking with folks who've been doing this work. Practical application. Many Course in Miracles students and how they are transforming their lives. And when I first started doing the Living A Course of Miracles classes uh, four or five years ago, and I got started to get so many emails from people around the world who are listening to the Living A Course of Miracles classes and listening to this radio show, people who were saying that they'd been practicing A Course of Miracles or studying it, really, for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, even 30 years without truly delving into the actual living, the active practice of it day in and day out. And what the Masterful Living students were sharing in this 2016 Path of Healing and Spiritual Expansion class that I did the other day, they were sharing how they recognized that having a spiritual practice that works something foundational that they can do even a little bit, a few minutes a day, but then the active practice throughout the day using the tools that I give them, they made an amazing shift in their life. And it's, it's just extraordinary what we can do with that willingness. It's always about the willingness. And it's the willingness to rise above the battleground and to relinquish the hold of the false idols. So we'll talk more about this when I come back. I'm Jennifer Hadley and we're talking about walking with Christ in A Course in Miracles. You're listening to Unity Online Radio where we're living the love, we're walking the talk and I'll be right Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application as we return to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and this week we're talking about walking with Christ. 
And the invitation I'm extending is to walk with Christ everywhere you go from this moment forward. And it begins with this beautiful passage in chapter 31, section 1, paragraph 12. Let us be still an instant and forget all things we ever learned, all thoughts we had, and every preconception that we hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. Let us remember not our own ideas of what the world is for. We do not know. Let every image held of everyone be loosened from our minds and swept away. Be innocent of judgment, unaware of any thought of evil or of good that ever crossed your mind of anyone. Now do you know him not, but you are free to learn of him and learn of him anew. Now is he born again to you, and you are born again to him, without the past that sentenced him to die, and you with him. Now is he free to live as you are free, because an ancient learning passed away and left a place for truth to be reborn. Yes. Our decision our willingness to change our mind and let go of making our beliefs, our opinions, our judgments, false idols, brings amazing, truly unbelievable, miraculous transformation and healing. I've been listening to, as I said, the folks in my year-long Masterful Living course share the miraculous shifts and changes that they've had in relationships where they really struggled for decades sometimes, thinking that there can never feel peace or harmony or true forgiveness in this relationship. But it can happen. It does happen. And they're realizing it has happened. They're feeling those miraculous shifts in themselves. And of course, once we shift, then everything around us shifts because we're one with them. And, you know, when I began my deep practice of A Course in Miracles, it was after my mom had gotten a cancer diagnosis. And then she got a terminal cancer diagnosis. And it was, of course, devastating to my family. And for me, as a Course in Miracles student, it was an opportunity to practice knowing the truth and to set not just myself free, but my whole entire family and, of course, the world. (laughs) you know, because it just takes one person to know the truth to set the world free. Yes. And so what I have seen for pretty much everybody in my life, and I do mean everyone, is that we all have a curriculum that's perfectly designed for us. And that perfection is that we will either be motivated by pain or inspired by a vision of holiness, a vision of love, a vision of beauty. 
So most, if not many, of us, or many if not most, rather, of us, we choose, instead of the path of being inspired by a vision of beauty and love and truth, we choose a path where we're pushed by the pain of our opinions and judgments. And the perfect curriculum of the perfect pain to make us finally go, I can't stand it anymore. There must be a better way. So for me, it was my mom's experience with cancer, my whole family's journey with my mother's experience of cancer. And so at the time my mom got that cancer diagnosis and the terminal diagnosis, I was in ministerial school. And so I'd been studying and teaching the truth for a long time. long time. And <clears throat> I did not have a happy relationship with my mother. Our stuff got in the way all the time. And it really was my opinions and my judgments. And of course it seemed like it was my mother's stuff getting in the way as well as my own. But now I know it's just about me. It's just about, it's all about me. <laughs> it's completely about me. And so I rejoice to know that now, that I can take total responsibility for what I see, and everything is just as I wish it would be, even when it seems like I wish it were different. Oh, no. What I'm experiencing is the byproduct of my thinking, and these are the thoughts I have chosen. So let me change my mind to rise above the battleground and to stop fighting the truth and instead know the truth that sets me free. And the whole thing, the fulcrum point, is my willingness. That's it right there. And so I decided to be that fulcrum point of healing in my family by choosing to take total responsibility for everything I saw. And what I began to see, beyond a shadow of a doubt, was the intense attachments that I had to judgments of myself and judgments of my mother. And trying to relinquish them very often felt excruciating. And there were many times when I would have to step away, go into the other room and just say, Holy Spirit, please take these thoughts out of my mind. I am not interested in them at all. Now this was before I really uh, had cognized this part in chapter 31, the final vision, section 1. Uh, paragraph 12, let us be still an instant and forget all things we ever learned, all thoughts we had, and every preconception that we hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. So my, in my desperation, I just said, Holy Spirit, please take these thoughts out of my mind so I never think them again. They don't serve me. I don't want them. I desire only to know the truth that sets me free. That was my go-to again and again and again. And sometimes I'd have to say it a hundred times a day. That's how intense my attachment was. And at the time, it felt so painful. It felt so excruciating. 
It's like it says in the Manual for Teachers in the Development of Trust section. It talks about this. It's very clear. <laughs> it says here... Um, Right in the first paragraph of Development of Trust, my page 10, uh, paragraph 3, it says, First, this is what the teachers of God's, uh, in the process of developing trust, it says, First, they must go through what might be called a period of undoing. This need not be painful, but it usually is so experienced. It seems as if things are being taken away and is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. So what was being taken away from me was my attachments. My attachments to being right. My attachments to thinking I knew what was right. And it says here, how can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light. You see, so this is the curriculum that each one of us has encoded into our experience, where if we don't willingly give up the false idols, it will seem that things are taken away from us, and it will seem wrong and unfair and bad, but it's our opportunity to recognize, to wake up and see that we're clinging to something in a dream that we do not need, that is actually impeding our waking up. It's actually preventing our happiness. And this is the thing that is part of our spiritual awakening journey and everybody I've ever known has to go through it. If they're doing this work, it's the realization that I don't have to give up the things I love, but in order to be happy, I have to give up my attachment to the things of this world. I can enjoy them fully. I can love them. But it's my attachment to them thinking that I need anything in this world, including my mother. It's the thinking, the thought that anything brings me happiness outside of my connection with God. That's the thing that prevents us from being happy. So when we realize that the source of our joy, the cause of our joy, is that first cause, that we are made in the spiritual image and likeness of our Creator, the spiritual image and likeness of God, and so is everyone else. It's our willingness to know that truth that sets us free to experience happiness. But as long as we think that happiness comes from things of this world, we don't get to know true happiness. And uh, what I was enjoying in recent conversations with the folks in my year-long Masterful Living class is they're experiencing more and more sense of this relief. It's such a relief to be loving. It's such a relief to not be defensive anymore. It's such a relief 
to be peaceful and kind and gentle and caring. It's such a relief not to close my heart. It's such a relief not to think I have to protect myself. Love is our protector. And when we're really authentically living a life of love, then that is our protection. It truly is. Because we're walking with Christ. And we don't walk with Christ because we're special. We don't walk with Christ because we're special. We walk with Christ because we've realized, ah, Christ has been there all along. Christ lives in our heart. We are the Christ. And our journey is one of remembering that. Accepting the atonement for ourselves is the remembrance that we've never been anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this section here, Walking with Christ, it talks about the leader and the follower that emerge as separate roles, each seeming to possess advantages you would not want to lose. This is paragraph three. So in their fusion, there appears to be the hope of satisfaction and of peace. You see yourself divided into both of these roles, forever split between the two. And every friend or enemy becomes a means to help you save yourself from this. So sometimes we want to be the follower, and sometimes we want to be the leader. Sometimes we would like others to be the leader, and we'd like to be the follower. And it goes on to say... Perhaps you call it love. Perhaps you think that it is murder justified at last. You hate the one you gave the leader's role when you would have it. And you hate as well his not assuming it at times you want to let the follower in you arise and give away the role of leadership. And this is what you made your brother for, and learn to think that this his purpose is. Unless he serves it, he has not fulfilled the function that was given him by you, and thus he merits death, because he has no purpose and no usefulness to you. So let's break this down, because this is really key, and I don't think I've ever talked about this on the radio show here. So... And this is a very key thing that happens in our families, and we have the repetitive pattern in our relationships of this. So this is why I'm sure the Holy Spirit led me to it for our topic today. So what it's saying here is that sometimes we like to be the leader, uh, the leader in love, or whatever it is that we're interested in, because we might be interested in complaining. <laughs> But we like to be the leader, except sometimes we like to be the follower. And there's this expectation that the people around us are going to take the leader or the follower role according to what we're feeling in the moment. So let's say in the moment we're expecting someone to take the leadership role in being loving. Maybe in that moment, we're not feeling so loving. And 
the other person that we're relating to, we're looking to them to be more loving, more magnanimous, more giving, more sharing, more caring. But they're not, they're reflecting back, they're our mirror. So they're not reflecting that back to us. They're reflecting uh, selfishness and fear and doubt and worry and shame and blame and regret and things like that. Maybe the exact same things that we're feeling in that moment. And so we're feeling irritated, frustrated, upset. And our, let's say, our coworker, our spouse, our child, our parent, our friend, our neighbor is reflecting back to us and they're appearing to be irritable and frustrated and unloving and unkind. And instead of turning the other cheek, we become upset. I wanted to be the follower. I wanted you to lead me on the path of love because I was feeling so unloving. But you're not doing that. Instead, you're leading me down this other path, or you're, I'm supposed to lead. My, my upset is leading you down this path of separation. And now we're in the muck and the mire together, and it's your fault, because I made you the leader. I wanted to be the follower. This is what we do, right? Uh, I, I can remember having conversations where people would say things like, I'm not going to take that from you. How dare you speak to me that way? But you see, the, the loving person says, Oh my, you, you, you're upset. What's going on? Can I help you? Are you having a, a difficult time? Would you like more love, more compassion, more support? How can I support you? But usually when we're irritated or frustrated or upset, people just mirror it right back to us. Because very few people that we meet out in the world have that spiritual sovereignty or have what the Buddhists call the ability to maintain their seat. It tells us here, the voice we hear in our brother is but our own. What does he ask you for? And listen well. For he is asking what will come to you. Because you see an image of yourself and hear your voice requesting what you want. Before you answer, pause to think of this. The answer that I give my brother is what I am asking for. And what I learn of him is what I learn about myself. So as we go into the holidays this year, well, we're in the thick of it now. (laughs) When we experience a cry for love from our brother and our sister, the answer that I give my brother is what I'm asking for. What I learn of him is what I learn about myself. So when someone is treating you poorly, or so it seems, the answer that you give them is what you're asking for. So if you return the upset with condemnation and rejection, hurt 
and making them wrong and bad, trying to make them feel guilty for being unloving or unkind. This is what you are asking for. You're asking to be treated that way. You're saying to yourself, I am bad and I deserve to be punished. It's really helpful to understand that any time we can extend compassion and kindness to our brothers and sisters, we really are forgiving ourselves. Course in Miracles tells us that all forgiveness is self-forgiveness, and this is what it means. It goes on to say here in paragraph 6, Then let us wait an instant and be still, forgetting everything we thought we heard. Maybe they went on a whole rampage, a tyrant. Maybe they blamed us and shamed us. Let's forget everything we forgot that we thought we heard. Remembering how much we do not know. This brother needs, this brother neither leads nor follows us, but walks beside us on the self same road. He is like us, as near or far away from what we want as we will let him be. We make no gains. He does not make with us, and we fall back if he does not advance. Take not his hand in anger, but in love, for in his progress do you count your own. And we go separately along the way, unless you keep him safely by your side. Because he is your equal in God's love, you will be saved from all appearances and answer to the Christ who calls to you. Be still and listen. Think not ancient thoughts. Forget the dismal lessons that you learned about the Son of God who calls to you. Christ calls to all with equal tenderness, seeing no leaders and no followers, and hearing but one answer to them all, because he hears one voice. He cannot hear a different answer from the one he gave when God appointed him his only son. Mm. Yes. Be very still an instant. Come without all thought of what you ever learned before and put aside all images you made. The old will fall away before the new without your opposition or intent. Hmm. And then at the end of the section it says, A blindfold can indeed obscure your sight, but cannot make the way itself grow dark. And he who travels with you has the light. Isn't that beautiful? So we can wear a blindfold to the Christ light in ourselves and in our brother, a blindfold can indeed obscure your sight, but cannot make the way itself grow dark. And he who travels with you has the light. 
So we walk with the Christ when we recognize the Christ in our brother and in ourselves. It's so beautiful. The truth always is. It's so comforting. Oh, yes. Well, as we're closing out here, I am so grateful to be on this journey with you. And if you're at all interested in taking the journey with me next year in my year-long Masterful Living course, I invite you to check it out at jenniferhadley.com. We start uh, January 11th, and I have a bonus class on January 1st. I always love to do a class on January 1st. It's such a great energy. And uh, there's a lot to my year-long Masterful Living course in terms of there's so much support for anyone who would like to do that work. Yes, yes, yes. So you can also listen to, as I said before, the free call. It's 2016, Your Path of Healing and Spiritual Expansion. You can get it free at jenniferhadley.com on the homepage or the events page. And while you're at jenniferhadley.com, if you find this radio show valuable, please make an end-of-year donation to support the radio show. The radio show is produced by your donations to Power of Love Ministry. You can do it at jenniferhadley.com. And you can also do it at powerofloveministry.net. You can also set up a recurring donation, a monthly tithe or offering. All donations are tax deductible and it's your contribution that makes the radio show possible. So if it's valuable to you, won't you make that contribution now while you're thinking of it? And let us pray. I am so grateful and so thankful to know that the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us in each and every moment. So grateful and so thankful to walk with the Christ always. So grateful and thankful to recognize the Christ in our brothers and sisters. We are willing, right now, we are willing to know the truth that sets us free. We're willing to rise above the battlefield and to be free, free in our mind, and to recognize that we've always been free. In grace and gratitude, we share the benefits with all beings. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. I love you. <laughs>